Hi, I'm Donna Erky, but with how ungovernable this show gets, you'd think my name was Ann Erky, and this is a hairy home companion. I'm her suit, cute, and incredibly stoned. Each episode, I try my damnedest to host a nice little comedy talk show while more baked than a lasagna about to get eaten by Garfield. Uh, I guess I'm Don no, Arky Buckle instead of John Arbuckle. Oh, damn it. Well, here's to hoping I don't OD and get too high to do the damn show, which is unfortunately pretty normal for me. Uh, we hate Sundays. Depending on the weed in the mood, I can do each segment no problem. Other times, I won't be able to make it through, and who knows how it'll end up or where it'll go. That's why we start off each show with retractions and corrections where I correct mistakes, answer questions brought up in the previous episode, or tell you what I was trying to say in last week's segment, but was too high to get through to. This week's retractions and corrections... I just realized something. So, my cat's name is Parsnip... And she's fabulous. She looks like a woolly mammoth chicken nugget. And she's got a rare googly eye disorder where I, one of her irises is shaped like a triangle. It's called an iris columboa. And she's just a freaking little cat. I love her. But anyways, one of my nicknames for her is Parfield. And I'm realizing, yes, it, I actually am absolutely done. Erky Buckle, like it's my life. Oh god, is this show Garfield? I mean, it takes place at home. It's called A Hairy Home Companion. That's what Garfield is. The show is just Garfield. Well, now everything makes too much sense, and I don't know if I feel good. That's a little too psychologically revealing. Um, uh, next perfection and correction. Uh, right after I recorded last week's episode, I was like, damn. I missed out, like, literally right after I, like, stopped recording, I went, God damn it! No, I missed out on a good food pun joke, because last week we were talking about the seminal 18, uh, I mean, 1983, boy, if it was 1883 uh, food jokes, I don't know if they'd be as, you know, about Yentl from 1983, I think it'd be more about, uh, the jokes would be, like, What's thinner than a workhouse's gruel? The King Edward's hair line. It's receding. Those would be the food jokes in the 1883. 101 fast, funny food jokes. But I am referring to 1983's great American novel, 101. Uh, you know, Paris Review was like, my God, this is it. Like, uh... 1893's uh, 101 Fast Funny Food Jokes, a book that you could get a purchase from uh, the Scholastic Book Fair, and currently the only reliable retailers for that, because I don't think they got, I mean, retraction version for next week. Do they still got Scholastic Book Fairs? I don't think so. They got TikTok now. We don't need it. We found better things to do with our time. I think, I, I really, I have a, I, TikTok, I have some thoughts about it, but, uh, you know, social media is good, I mean, in a lot of ways, 
But it's also bad. I feel like, you know, as someone with, like, the knowledge and education I have, and, like, I, I did my master's thesis basically being like, why is the internet the way it is? I don't know how to use it. It scares the shit out of me. Like, I'm like, damn, there was a point in, like, queer theory and, like, a lot of theory where they're like, can the subaltern speak? But now we're like, can the subaltern shut the fuck up? It's a wild, interesting time on the internet. But anyways, well, you know, kids, I don't need, who needs a scholastic book fair when, you know, you can see, you know, conservative, like, white people complain about how they hate drag queens while lip-syncing to, like, songs and, like, like, you know, audio from movies and TV shows, and I'm like, so you're gonna complain about drag queens while acting like a drag queen? I don't get it, but that's TikTok, baby! It's a fascinating, nuanced-ass place! You can, it's a, it, the internet is a phenomenon that, you know, the, the emerging fields of internet studies is basically like, we have no idea how it's gonna affect human society and everything. We, it's, we're, we're just letting loose. Let's see what happens. But anyways, you know, when neoliberalism was just starting, they were cooking it up. Uh, you have the 101 Fast Funny Food for Jokes, uh, Scholastic Book Fair, and uh, one of the jokes that I did not make that I should address, you know, is that I, right after I finished the episode, I was like, oh, god damn it. I missed out on a joke that it would have changed everything. I, I, I was like, okay, because in the, in the book, one of the jokes was like, ah, you know, movie lands, top film stars. And I was like, and one of the, you know, food puns was they had Barbara Streisand, which instead of Barbara Streisand. And I was like, oh, she's in the, she's listed under movie stars, but not, you know, musicians, music acts of Foodland, and I put two and two together, and I'm like, oh, because she was in Yentl, and I could have said she was in Lentil. Barbara Streisandwich singing her favorite, famous song, Papa Ganoush, Can You Hear Me? In 1983's Lentil, I missed out on all of that. I literally thought of it all immediately when I finished recording the show. And so that we don't have any more missed opportunities, but I'm sure that will happen. I always listen back and I'm like, God damn it. Uh, another joke that I was like, I gotta, when I, while I was recording, I was like, I gotta, I gotta do it. I gotta go back and make this joke, but then I got stoned and distracted because, you know, you know, that's the, we're stoned to the bone broth down here, bone marrow, it's at a fancy restaurant, you scrape it off the boat, the boat, and you put it on a, for steamy, I don't know what you do, uh, or you can be real gross and just, you know, like, snort all the bone marrow out of, like, something from an abgoosht, it gets real nasty in my house. Uh, and I, I don't really like eating meat. Uh, it freaks me out. But I, I, I figured that out. It's off the air, not on the air. Because, you know, this is a, you know, this is a air-dried beef, you know, that I'm having with myself. A beef about beef. Beefing with myself about why do I still eat it? It makes me feel funny. But we don't need a, you know... Drage this by letting it out in the air. We don't need to do that. But what we need to do is that I will tell you what the joke I was 
say, I was like, I'm going to make the joke in the episode. And then after I recorded the episode, I was like, no, I, I meant to say that. Was I was going to say that FDA stands for funny, delicious amusements. Yes. Anyways, moving on. Uh, third time's the charm. And uh, talking about charms is going to be another attraction and correction coming up soon. If I didn't get to it, is uh, I'll find some more jokes I was supposed to make. I didn't get to them because I ran out of time. Because to show that I don't just make jokes about things from 1983 or older and I can make contemporary issues and people's places and things uh, I, I have thought of more few jokes about the cast of the Barbie movie because I just was like when I was recording the episode I just like started I was like what's a celebrity and then I was like mentally to myself I what's the, I'll just read the cast list of a contemporary film and then I was like what's a contemporary movie and I was like I don't know <laughs> right and then I was like wait 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 the Barbie movie so I was just started reading off the Barbie movie and I'm like all right what food jokes can I make about the cast here because if because I'm assuming these are all contemporary people I'm like I know some of these names they've been around like I know Wilf. Will Ferrell, uh, but I have to do a retraction and correction on the food joke I made about his name. I'm like, he's been around, I know that guy. But some of them, I'm like, I knew Heron F. back from Tumblr. She she did some very good performance art pieces, yes. Uh, I'm like, that's an old friend. Uh, And then, uh, you know, I'm like, but some of the names, I was like, I don't really, you know, Ryan Gosling, I mean, Mickey Mouse Club, come on. And, you know, I, I know things, um, but I was like, all right, uh, this is a contemporary movie. I'm assuming that some of these people are well-known or, like, if I don't recognize their names, they're just newer celebrities. And I had, like, research because I was like, what is, who is, I had, everyone's talking about this person, like, you know, I would know what they are, who they are, but I don't. And so I had to make sure, like, that the people I'm making food puns about are well-known celebrities and not just extras who just showed up on the Google search. And if they did, you know what? They deserve their day in the sun. Or I guess their day in the bun, because I'm making food jokes about the Barbie movie as a throw a shrimp on the Barbie, because one of the food puns of a celebrity in that film that I came up with after for this retraction and correction is Prawn Cena. And then we also got Cake McKinnon, Real real Pearl Onion. And I don't know if Emerald Fennel is uh, that like who, if, if she's famous or not, but she's in the show, she's in the movie, and her name is already a food joke. It's pretty descriptive, like the Emerald Fennel. Like, Fennel can, is pretty green, it's beautiful poetry about food and uh, another name in the movie that is already a food joke and I cannot improve on is Helen Mirren uh, and then the joke I got to retract and correct because I originally was like Will Ferrell oh Will Fennel but we already got an Emerald Fennel here's a new one Will Ferrell like the grain anyways next retraction and correction uh, the joke about Foodland's best movies where they were like, they're real good. I was like, oh, they made a f- 
fishing rod? What about your wackos? They may reel like a movie reel, like where the celluloid is wrapped around. I'm dumb. Uh, anyways, next retraction and correction is that when I talked about how I got ghosted by a ghost tour, I mentioned that the New England Aquarium has talking seals. I wasn't joking. Uh, I forgot to give you more pertinent information like the lifespan of the eels. Uh, seals! Oh, boy. Well, I mean, they're, they're like practically the same thing. You can eat both of them. Uh, yeah, well, I forgot to put the pertinent information like, what, well, tell me about these seals. Like, what kind of species? What flavor of seal, you know, are we dealing with? Uh, I, do they like a kiss from the rose on the gray occasionally? I didn't, I did not put any of that information down. And, uh, cause I like, kind of just like felt disappointed. I'm like, I live in the Bay Area. I've seen those seals in San Francisco all my life. They never said a damn thing. We don't got any talking seals. What's the point? I don't want to be here anymore. I want to move. I guess I'm moving to Boston because, you know, even th they got lots of talking seals all over. Uh, Like San Francisco, which is a Delta, Boston is a Tumblr because it's a. I know. Anyways, it's 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 it's, it's, it's like a, there's like a Sandy Ismus there, so it's a Tumblr. I know all this because I had to write, you know, copy about Boston for a ghost tour that ghosted me. Anyways, so I forgot to tell you the most important information about these seals because I was in the depths of despair. Can you blame me? Uh, and I just copied and pasted from the copy I wrote, which is like, I wrote, I, I remember being like, I don't know anything about baseball, they're making me write about baseball. How can I write about baseball in a very homosexual way, like, she's a grand dame, you know? And I feel like, and I just feel like that just continued subconsciously throughout, I was just like, throughout the whole, you know, copy I wrote, because I was like, Boston, I don't know what else to do with you. Uh, so in the grand homosexual tradition, I have now made you like a lady, someone you of, of high camp love virtue, you know, like that's who she is. I don't know the grand dowager. Um, I don't know what else to do. So here we go. Here, but here's some information about the talking seals in Boston. I also wanted to call it Boston more than a feeling, like you know the song, but as like the title of the copy I wrote. But it's a good idea. Boston, use it as your city logo. More than a feeling. And, and then everyone's like, wait, wait, it's like, oh, it's a song by Boston. I don't know if it's about Boston. Traction and correction for next week. Uh, I, I don't know. I didn't really see anything about Boston where I'd be like, you know, the thing is, you can't leave your heart in San Francisco. Uh, like, you know, Tony Bennett, the infamous zombie entertainer. He was losing limbs all over the place. Organs. He left his pancreas and organ, actually. His organs and organs. Anyways, so, you know, I don't know if Boston would write a song about Boston called More Than a Feeling, because I'm like, I don't really see a town I could feel affectionate and romantic towards. Like, this is, like, you know, boring and really 
clone. I don't know. It's real scary. I'm like, that's where they were really inventing, you know, white people in America. Like, right there, the epicenter. I'm like, I don't... <laughs> I mean, they, you, they were doing that in, like, San Francisco, too, in their own ways. Uh, but they were really working on it there and then. But anyways, just in case you're tuning in and you're like, I'm hearing talking seals. I'm hearing arc, arc, arc. There's not a talking seal. This person kind of sounds like a talking seal or like a talking cartoon dog. Uh, no, this is me talking about Boston and you're just hearing arc, arc, arc because I'm done arky and I got to say my name all the time. I'm not a talking seal. Uh, but the name of the show might make you think so because it's called A Hairy Home Companion. And no, um, it's not because I'm a seal who has gained some sort of frightening kind of cognizance and now has a show and uh, on BFF.fm. Uh, because we're like, look, we're a famous peninsula where moments of state formation, I mean, state formation, I mean, the national, you know, the, the mythos of American nation building and memory and this and that are happening, you know, they've got a talking seal in Boston that I've learned nothing about from this goddamn talking seal named Donna, what a dorky name for a talking seal, uh, and, uh, you know, they got put their talking seal, they're fucked up. San Franciscan talking seal from Fisherman's Wharf. Um, they got, they put that seal on a radio show, and BFF did it. Because they're like, look, we got a peninsula to, peni- I mean, peninsula to Tombolo showdown about who's got the best talking seal. Well, with the rate this show is going, I think Boston's got the better talking seal because he wouldn't talk this much and say this much stupid stuff. Because, and he had a better name, because he wasn't named after DJ Tanner from Full House by their 11-year-old sister. Uh, his name was Hoover. Well, it's pretty funny. I mean, do you think he's named after J. Edgar Hoover? I, that'd be hilarious. That's not the first time that J. Edgar Hoover's been around in a sleekly cut, sexy, elegant, seal fur coat, you know what I mean? Uh, anyways... Um, but Hoover, he could be named after the vacuum magnate. I mean, I don't know what Hoover vacuums are named after. Retraction version for next week. I bet it'll be fucked up. We'll find out. But Hoover wouldn't say all this. Uh, he would just say, how are you? I mean, I mean, he'd say, well, he wouldn't just say that. He had a lot of phrases. I guess I'll retraction version for next week. How many things does this damn seal say? Um, he would say things... Uh, he was having a variety of phrases from how are you to come over here and according to the rest of the copy i wrote for boston's to the ghost tour i'm just going to read from the script now uh hoover's legacy lives on in his grandson shakota who like eliza doolittle is also learning how to speak like a lady in a flower shop well if the flower shop was under the sea in the boston harbor and you can see why the ghost tour ghosted me because that's the kind of copy i'm turning in about boston and on that note note woo i'm just yelling and accidentally sounding like eliza doolittle that was very cockney of me well i you know 
in no ways affiliated with, and you know, my fair lady, I'm a my hairy uh, lady, because I use they them pronouns, but I, you know, I don't make, I don't misgender myself for a joke, because that was kind of dumb, I don't want to call myself that again. My hairy lady, aka a hairy home companion with me, Donarchy, uh, I have no, you know, this is not my fair lady, you know, but I wouldn't blame you for thinking that because I do share, I think my philosophy towards life is a lot like Alfred P. Doodles. I'm like, I don't want to do nothing for nobody. I don't want to boss people around. I don't want to be bossed around. I want to live alone. I want to have a good time. I am all about literacy and the three S's, not the three R's. Sex, steak, Cigarettes, baby. That's what I'm saying. I got my beef with beef. Uh, it's very, it's very hard to be me. Um, but I feel like my my enjoyment of meat is more of, uh, you know, kind of like a capability. It's not. I get scared. I gotta tell myself it's 3D printed all the time. I was like a vegetarian and a vegan for a decade, and it was much better than it is now to have eaten the way I did than I do now because now I have different dietary restrictions where I can't eat anything. So I have become very limited. But anyways, enough about me and back to the number three and charms because the next attraction and correction is how many times did I use the word charm in my copy about Boston? I used the word charm two times and charming once. Next attraction and correction, uh, and couldn't figure out because I was too high. Uh, what, what the MPAA did with distributing films, I I think they still do. They are uh, because even though the MPAA started distributing films back in the day with William H. Hayes, who was not for the gays because he imposed the Hayes code on film and he also distributed them. So, you know, they're, I think they still are, but now they've saw, they saw from being like the MPAA to like the rated G, rated PG-13, and I'm pretty sure there's still issues with rating, ratings, what does, doesn't get distributed, blah, blah, blah. There's that whole movie about it. So, if you don't know, you don't know about it, uh, you will eventually, because this will now be a special episode, and I will stay sober for it. Uh, most of the time, I hope. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you the scoop about why you don't get to see certain movies or why certain things get rated, you know, like homosexual content, it will be rated like NC-17, but straight people doing the same nasty things. Oh, Melissa PG, oh, get some handle it. I gotta learn. Um, and we'll, yeah, we'll talk about rating systems, Hayes code, and uh, film distribution and what you get to see and not get to see. And then, um, next retraction and correction, uh, Vertigo, the 1952 Hitchcock film, is based off the 1954 novel D'Entre Les Among the Dead by... Wow. There's no way I can say it. Uh, well, the rejection question, I'm going to say that guy's name. 
real French in a real complicated way. You'll see when you look this up. And, uh, next attraction impression. Yes, pre-haste films were pretty loosey-goosey and risque. And they showed things that you wouldn't believe. Um, but you'll never know about it because, for once, uh, I am going to have self-control and go on with the show. Yes, and now I shall continue to be morally good because we got the gaze code implemented here because I'm trying not to be too wild. Here are the Harry Home Companion with me, Don Arkey, here on BFF.fm. And as, since I have, uh, you know, turned a new leaf and I have decided to be very good and never do anything bad again, ever, ever, I will keep re- reading from the script and in, in a show even, you know, great, you know, I'm sacrificing for the greater good by being real good. I'll talk about donations. Also, we're doing other donations that I should know more about. But, <laughs> well, I gotta fundraise some stuff else besides these donations. And I'll figure it out and I'll tell you all about it. Because we gotta make sure that, you know, these people get something out of having me on the air. Anyways, uh, I'm now ready for the script. Have you considered donating to BFF.FM yet? You should. Not only is this such a unique community radio station that reflects and respects the diversity of the Bay Area, but it keeps weirdos like me occupied so that we don't go out to culinary school and invent hamburger helper's evil counterpart steak saboteur gives a whole new meaning to an iron fist in a velvet glove also good for your iron levels too uh anyways you can get yourself down to bff.fm slash donate where you can send a one-time donation or set up monthly recurring donations be our bestie with benefits. Also, I just remembered when I was a kid, I used to, I don't know how I thought this or how I came up with this, but for some reason, I thought Fisherman's Wharf, or like there had been a Fisherman's War there. I was like, this is the site of the Fisherman's War, and this is the Fisherman's War Wharf Memorial. They built this wharf here to commemorate it, and I'm like, I really would like to speak to a childhood development specialist or a psychologist and figure out why I was so dumb. I don't understand. And on that note, because I just remembered another thing from being a dumb kid with this wacky fact, but, uh, you know, it really is the deeply psychological episode. Ooh, oh no. I mean, they all kind of are, unfortunately. One way or the other, even if I'm not talking about me, it's very clear that this is a textbook case of ADHD. Anyways, uh, uh, well, so let's combat it. Let's, let's, let's try. Uh, I didn't get ADHD burnout in grad school and blow my brain up for no good reason. I'm fine. And a proof of this is that I will read to you from the script. Like a, a, like a show, like a real one. Uh, 
Our first segment is Wacky Facts, Latin name, Wackiest Facticus. Each week, my stone ass learns you a weird and interesting fact about each subject possible, from animals to history and everything in between. This week's fact, if you ever have played the game Monopoly, you have probably been like, wow, this game is boring. Uh, if you are me, because for some reason, every time I play Monopoly, I fall dead asleep. It is a surefire cure to my insomnia. But if you're a Monopoly enthusiast, and, uh, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of you, because they make lots of different kinds of monopolies like they gotta there's gotta be a market if they're like we gotta do a star wars monopoly if we've gotta get like a commemorative i don't know i'm sure they got like the sopranos monopoly uh do they maybe like a patty hearst monopoly i don't know well we'll figure it out what kinds of monopolies there are but for the monopoly enthusiast amongst us um who are you know enjoying this game and perhaps being like yes this game is about why capitalism good me love money money fun we're having good time it works uh, uh, well and uh, for a while that's what a lot of people thought it had been invented to be because this guy fucking took credit for it and it wasn't until like i think the 70s and i swear to god correction for next week or maybe i'll figure it out while i do it but i think the guy who figured out that monopolies like the thing who found out where monopoly really came from and its true intentions i think he also possesses state like well, i don't know uh, i guess great minds do think alike and they all think sfsu they, they don't need a jury score for um, like a lot of the liberal arts stuff because you know they're not gonna just to have ethnic studies departments and have some of the first ones. They're gonna give you some leeway in certain departments like women and gender studies because they're gonna be like, mm -hmm. here's a gesture to make it not seem like the horrors of the neoliberal academy or pussyfooting around here. Uh, and you get it, you get it, you, you, you do that because you uh, fucked up your GRE really bad because when you went to go take it, person was like wait here until i get you tell you to start and then you sit there for two hours waiting to start because that was that person's first day and they were supposed to tell you you could just start and then you go in there you go into the you like knock on the door and you're like can i start and they'd be like oh my god it's been two hours i'm like i don't know i'm so sorry and then you just blast your way through it and then you write like a real ethnic studies ass response to one of the essay questions yeah, and, you know, and the, for the two hours I sat there and waited, I just replayed the entirety of the Vincent Price episode of The Muppet Show, you know, committed to memory. Because I just kind of like, just from the trauma and the stress, I just was able to access this uh, mental ability and just remember all of The Muppet Show. And then I just like burned myself out doing that and then, you know, waiting two hours and just blasted it. So if you're like that, that exactly all happened to you and you're like i want to do a master's in women and gender studies you would play it as a state because they don't need a jury score because they're, they're trying to be cool and with it they're not they're trying they ain't 
Uh, that's where I went. Just like the Monopoly Man, potentially. I don't know. Yeah, this really is the psychological episode. We have this guy who's researching something for something in school. And he was like, oh, shit. Actually, this comes from this really cool, like, radical, like, ye olde leftist lady. And it was called The Landlord's Game. And it was about how landlords always win and the banks always win. And fuck the bank and fuck money. And I'm like, yeah, Monopoly fucking rips. I'm sorry I fell asleep during it. It's just real boring. Because maybe I, I knew. I was like, the bank is going to win anyways. And I feel like whenever I play Monopoly, I like to, you know, have a little fun. Like, I like to paper moon people. You know, I try to, why, why play Monopoly unless you can grip? If you can show up and be like, oh, can you give me like a hundred fives for one $500 bill? And then, oh, actually, can I have 30 20s and 51s? And, you know, whatever they do in Paper Moon, I don't know. I don't know how it works. I don't know nothing. I'm the gayer buffoon. I wouldn't know how to use math to get anything from anyone for any reason. How to trip them up. And so, but I, that's how you should play Monopoly to make it fun. Because otherwise it's boring. You can make it, like, you know, you can try to marry someone for the wealth. You can be like Anna Nicole. We love her. She's an icon for doing it. And I, I love her for it. You can Anna Nicole Smith someone in Monopoly. Do they got Anna Nicole Smith themed Monopoly? I'm sure they do. Um, anyways, Monopoly has its roots in 1903 when an anti-monopolist Lizzie Elizabeth uh, Maggie uh, who's a game inventor, writer, feminist, and a Georgist. I don't know what that is. Uh, she, she was like, what if I invent a game that is about how landlords sucks? Because she's right. Fuck landlords. We don't like them here. Uh, anyways, the landlords game was designed to demonstrate the economic ill effects of land monopolism and the use of land value tax as a remedy for it. Uh, originally the goal of the game was just get money, honey. But eventually, they started being like, what if you monopolize things too? And you own all of the land, and you buy things, and you can put more houses on houses and stuff. Uh, maybe I'll like Monopoly more as an adult, because I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know that you could be real sneaky and evil. But I'm not really competitive, but... I'd like to see people get real sneaky and evil and try to take over the board and still lose because if you if you've ever played a game of Monopoly, you still kind of get stuck because it's basically the landlord's game, which got real popular and the it, Quakers really loved it. So sometimes you see it misattributed that like the like Quakers invented Monopoly. No, it was Lizzie Maggie, cute name. Just a bunch of nicknames. What's your middle name? Is it also a nickname? We'll find out. Uh, what's the J for? Jane! No, that's her mom's name. Does she not have... What's the J? It doesn't say. Is she like 
Homer Simpson and her middle name is just Jay? Well, uh, I guess she's just got a lot of nicknames for names. Cool lady. She got she has some good ideas. She's right. Most of the thing. Um, I hope that she wasn't wrong about something, so that would not be good, and I'd have to be like, uh, I condoned uh, Lizzie J. Maggie. I mean, I just saw something she did where she took out an ad, and she did the thing where white women are like, I'm just gonna race black women. And when I say women, I only mean white ladies. I'm not thinking about nobody else. So she did that, uh, which is, you know, that's just a white lady, like, what do you expect from him? Um, but she, she, uh, didn't like landlords, so that's, you know, well, that's, that's, that's pretty impressive for a white lady. Uh, and she became a well-known person about having s some thoughts about things, and she invented her game. And got real popular, and then Quakers were all about it. And they're like, we're done sewing our oats. We're gonna sit down and play the landlord's game, damn it. And they, it really popped off. And then this guy named Charles Darrow, uh, whose Wikipedia page says very specifically, not to be confused with Clarence Darrow, but I don't know how or why you could do that. Because Clarence and Charles are two very different names. But clearly this is happening a lot where they gotta make a disambiguation. But it wasn't a monkey trial, it was a monopoly pile of fake money. I don't know. Well, uh, it wasn't about inheriting when you gotta buy lands and stuff. You gotta get your money. You don't get a handle to it. But anyways, Charles Darrow, where I guess maybe people who are against evolution are like, how could we smear Clarence Darrow? Oh, he stole Monopoly from a lady who got like no credit and only $500 uh, for her invention. And like, they like like they did an episode of one of my favorite PBS shows because, you know, clearly, what else am I going to be enjoying it with my fucking interests and the things I've said. God damn it. And speaking about, well, this isn't public radio because I can't be cussing this much and being, I don't think you can be intoxicated like this on, you know, anything regulated by the government for radio. Uh, yeah, I'd be in trouble if it was FCC. But no, it's just the FDA with this hunk of meat, John away, stone to the bone, yes, it's the, you know, Cormac McCarthy episode, I already had one of those, well, it's, it's more like the jungle in here, it's real nasty and stupid, and instead of Upton Sinclair, you got me in my lair, and downtown, uh, and I'm trying to tell you about how Monopoly got like, stolen away. But yeah, Clarence! I mean, oh, shit! I mean, Charles! Oh, maybe, you know, maybe this happens a lot. People get real high and they're like, fuck Clarence Darrow for stealing Monopoly. And that's why they had to do the disambiguation, because it's just Stony Bologna's are like, outraged. Well, Charles Darrow, oh, sneaky thief, ratty little man. Oh, 
That's when the Quakers found out about Monopoly and they, uh, Quaker teachers in Atlantic City incorporated it into their teaching and they, since they were into quiet, they liked quiet stuff, uh, they, they got rid of the part of Monopoly where you do loud auctioning, added fixed prices to the board, and modified it to be more child-friendly. Ooh, Monopoly. Ooh, maybe I wouldn't have gone to sleep during that Monopoly. That's fun. I'm into it. It's going to be a showdown. I love it. I mean, this I already this already sounds like the whatever gobbledygook auctioneers are saying in between numbers when I talk anyways. So I know I would have had a fabulous time with the original version of the game. Is it a quiet, boring Quaker version that we have to play for some reason? I don't know why. Leave me alone. Uh, anyways, uh, Maggie died. I mean, as in her last name, I know, it's hard to tell. So many nicknames for my name. Lizzie, Elizabeth, J. Maggie died in 1948, and nobody knew that she had been, like, the original Monopoly.
Also, a fellow alligator from San Francisco State University. Uh, oh, the guy who played Bob in Twin Peaks is also from SF State. Which makes sense because SF State is like the top film school for like, I don't know, before you laugh like I did and I made someone upset. Uh, it's the top film school in the US for like the practical side of film, like learning how to light and, you know, sets and stuff. And that's how the guy who played Bob ended up on the set of Twin Peaks. He went to SF State for film. And then, uh, you know, poor guy was just minding his business and David fucking Lynch saw his reflection in a mirror and was like, that's the scariest man I've seen. And he's just like, I'm just wearing a Canadian tuxedo and I'm ethnic. And then David Lynch was like, let's make you a scary guy forever. And there you go, yeah. Uh, and I'm like, you know, that's a very... You know, same for SF State kind of outfit. We we do like a Canadian tuxedo. I know I like them now, but for Mason Maggiello reasons. Uh, but anyways, the guy who figured out uh, that Monopoly was not invented by Charles Darrow, but someone else, and Alvin Ali, he figured out in the 70s, his name was Ralph Ants Pop. An economics professor whose legal battle over his own anti-monopoly board game, like I said, also states, kind of got that je ne sais quoi. I guess we'll look into that. What's the deal with that? Either in this episode or in our traction correction, he figured it out. Um, and because he was like, they're trying to sue me. Like Charles Darrow hired Clarence Darrow to sue me for my anti-monopoly game. And I want to fuck him up in court somehow. And he figured out all of this. And, um, yeah. He, he, he would, he spent a decade in court to be able to talk about the right to discover what he, yeah, wow, damn. They were really, Parker, what's it? Brothers, they were really trying to suppress who invented Monopoly. Wow, this is a really, you know, uh, controversial topic. Because I, I also thought that, like, you know, Monopoly had been. I, I, didn't, I mean, I knew. I didn't know the thing about Lizzie, you know? Lizzie Maggie, I thought it would been had been invented by, you know, a game that was just played by Quakers and then Charles Darrow was like, ooh, look at him go. I'm gonna just rip him off. And I mean, uh, show the Parker Brothers this quite into region in an American game. Uh, and no, it's something much darker and more foul. And then for our final segment, because we got script. Uh, 
Uh, this next, because I'm now reading the script, you are welcome. Uh, this next segment is called From the Desk of Don H. Erky, which is where Miss Don S. does my best to try and tell you about my hot takes, thoughts, opinions on a variety of subjects, or I just talk about things that I think you should know about, or things that I'm super interested about this week. Also, I don't actually have a middle name, I just randomly chose the letter H because it sounded good. But let's say the, the, the H stands for high, because that's what I am. Well, maybe that's why Elizabeth Maggie chose J. Just, I think her middle name was just letter J. But maybe I'll look up the census. Maybe the J was for joy, because she also liked to get high in the sky, baby, because this is a Harry Home companion with me, Donna Arkey, here on BFF.FM, telling you about public television and a very not... Radio show because I gotta cuss and stuff. That's how you know it's not really in the air, it's on the internet. Um, but <clears throat> anyways, I've been on a real watching antiques roadshow kick lately, and it's helped me realize that in more ways than one, that antiques roadshow is one of the most sexy and provocative shows out there. Believe you me. And one thing that happens all the time, like I've even brought it up as like a, a joke in one of the donation things is that um which us which even though you know we're not a publicly owned thing like pbs that's the one thing we don't come on we we brought you live viewers like you and you all or listeners like you whatever we need donations too if we want to survive we gotta help both of us out but anyways uh, one thing that happens there all the time is that people go in with what they think a punch bowls and they find out that the chamber pots and if you think oh that only could have happened once no it happens all the time if you look up antiques road show chamber pot punch bowl you will see a lot of videos and then the worst one i think was when this lady brought in a you know what she thought was a beautiful bowl in ceramic bowl and a velvet lined beautiful little box and I love to have my friends over and serve gazpacho out of it and the appraiser was like well it's a portable Victorian era toilet but don't worry they washed it real good it's, it's okay that you you know serve gazpacho out of a portable toilet from the 1800s and you kind of see her being like, okay, sense of calm. But then you see sense of panic as the lady realizes all the lining of the case. And then another sexy and provocative thing that happens on there is that they used to have this host named Mark Wahlberg. And you're thinking, Marky Mark, Antiques Roadshow host? Wait, how did I not know about this? Was this like some kind of like, you know, public service he had to do to like, part of his sentence or something? No, it's this guy named Mark J. Wahlberg. Oh, you know, another famous J. I guess we'll find out what his J stands for. Is he also just J? Like Homer and Elizabeth Maggie? Or does it mean something? And I mean, what am I supposed to? I can't judge. I have, I lie and say my middle name is H for high. I don't have a middle name because my parents were like, Americans don't have them. They're too chic to have a middle name. Middle Easterners, we've got thousands of middle names in the Middle East. That's what they call it, the Middle East, because of all the bajillion middle names. 
we've got and americans know they got a more streamlined approach so that's what we'll do and just have a kid named don arky who hosts this dumb show called the harry home companion here on bff.fm but uh oh yeah and that's another sexy provocative thing but the most sexy and provocative thing is that they got these two owen wilson looking identical twins called the kino brothers and they love flirting with the old ladies who come in with their Chippendales because I think they're trying to do something Chippendales to get those Chippendales. I'm like, are you trying to get into their will? Or did you play the Anna Nicole Smith version of Monopoly and get some ideas? And you're like, we're going to Anna Nicole Smith monopolize like all the Chippendales through our Chippendales tech antics because they love to get real physical they get real down low and they get real like you know they get real up in the furniture and they like to like crouch down and look up at the old white ladies and say really flirty things and try to banter with these old white ladies who are just like is this fucking owen wilson motherfucker trying to like flirt with me right now what's going on like they're not reciprocating it's all one-sided and very you know manic and real like the show in a lot of ways sometimes when it gets spicy on here just imagine that happening to your grandma on global television yeah yeah sex sells whereas attempting to buy i don't know if the kino brothers are that successful but they're trying they're trying their damnedest um and then also like you know you can see like the emergence of like certain like geopolitical phenomenon like for example like all the chinese antiques are worth a lot of money because people in china have newfound money because of like the the, the you know they were like <laughs> we're not really communists anymore but don't tell the tanky that they'll get real mad uh, we don't like tankies here uh who who, who likes them Nobody. um but that got destroyed because of the cultural revolution and the rise of communism. So, and then also, you know, there's like the objects, you, you know, you think about what objects get saved and what don't get saved. Like, you know, the shows, if we're talking about the memorialization projects of state formation and nationalism, which just means like, what do we remember? What are the memories we like to celebrate as, you know, as quote-unquote members of uh, people within the borders of a nation. Uh, like, what, what, what's the thing where we're like, oh, America, I'm going to remember the Maine, or whatever. Or, you know, uh, we're, things that we celebrate, like, uh, you know, unfortunately Thanksgiving Day, the mythos about that. That's all, you know, and, like, how we use that to, like, justify the logics and projects of a settler colonial you know country and you know how do we hide the horrors of what we've done and that's kind of what Twin Peaks is about in that movie. anyways uh that's all happening on Antiques Roadshow by the objects that people bring in what people think are valuable or even the things that people say like one uh, one thing that comes up is like a lot of white people love to come on the show and be like, ooh, this chat was given to my white settler family 
by a Native American person as like an honor bestowed upon us. And the the the, the appraisers are always like, you know, we hear that story a bajillion times, and uh, it's just a chair from you know the Sears catalog back then. Your your family was just a bunch of jerks. Um, so that's what I'm saying. It's not just a sexy and provocative show because you see like the the Owen Wilson twins, the Kino brothers, they love to like tag team old ladies too. It gets real sexual on the antique show. It's not just provocative in that way, it's also provocative in these ways too. You know, and then like you also see like demographics of like who owns certain objects, how they get to it. Who has the money and the, you know, stuff to own certain things? Uh, it's just a fascinating show. There's a guy who looks like Brendan. He used when he was younger. He was a dead. He's still a dead woman for Brendan Fraser. He's this appraiser who does all the posters and lithographs and stuff. And he always wears the craziest fucking suits. And I want the workwear guy on Twitter to do a deep psychoanalysis of him because I want to know more. I'm fascinated by him. He always makes fun of his suits. He's like, I know I look like the clown in this poster or I'm a used car salesman, but for used posters and lithographs, I don't know. Yeah, it's a fascinating show. I recommend it. Um, and anyways, um, the episode's wrapping up and